Welcome to the Offensive Interference Podcast presented by FootballGamePlan.com. I'm your host, Gene Clemens. Great to be back with you another week and talk some football. There's a lot on the table, a lot to be spoken about. I mean, the the referees this year have been atrocious. Um, But even more, even more atrocious is the way in which people have put a lot of disrespect on some really... You know, really good football players' names. I think it's, I think it's almost criminal. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but first, I want, I want to just say welcome um, to all of you people. Welcome, welcome to the revolution. And the revolution is televised. You will see it. You have no other choice but to see it. But, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it is the full and unadulterated takeover by minority quarterbacks in this league. If you don't have, if you don't have a guy who can throw the ball at a high level and run the ball at a decent enough level to keep him upright, you're not going to win consistent football games in this league unless your name is Tom Brady. And even there, we are, we are seeing the decline. This year, Tom Brady is not the Tom Brady that we've seen. Now, is he is he sandbagging? Is there a, an opportunity for him to rejuvenate and be able to make a run? Of course it is. He's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. But as of right now, when you look around the league, tell me who's a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. I'll wait. Oh, what are you going to say? Like, um... I don't know, Aaron Rodgers? No, stop it. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been Russell Wilson in a few years. But while Aaron Rodgers has been hurt or has not been playing well, and whether that's a, remember it was, supposedly it was Mike McCarthy's fault. And then they got rid of McCarthy and brought in this kid LaFleur, and he is bad. I mean, there's no really no other way around it. He's bad, he's not good. And because of that, Aaron Rodgers has looked um, less like Aaron Rodgers, but also it's, it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. He's just not as accurate as he's been. Um, he, he, he can't escape pressure the way in which he used to be able to escape. And in that time, Russell Wilson, in my opinion, has ascended to the best quarterback in the league. I don't actually think there's much debate about it. If you stop, the, if you stop right now, he'd be the MVP in what he's doing. Um, the the reigning MVP, Patrick Mahomes, a black man, the one of the best leaders in the NFL, um, and a guy who just never, he never has his team out of a game, Deshaun Watson. Name the last time you saw Deshaun Watson's team get blown out. I'll wait. You won't find it. Regardless of how he's playing, he's never the reason that they lost. And, or he's never... He's never put them in a position where they can't win. And that's something that you that's something magical that you can say about a quarterback. Um so that's Russell Wilson. That's there's there's, there's Patrick Mahomes, there's um um you know what I'm saying? Oh, sorry. I, I, I didn't know why I was why I was blanking out on him. That that Prescott's doing fantastic things down in Dallas. He's been doing fantastic things in Dallas for Gosh, his entire NFL career, 
and he's still doing great things. <laughs> I heard um, Mike Greenberg say the most ridiculous thing I've heard him say in a while, and you know he's he's prone to hyperbole, especially when it comes to his team. But he said that um, Sam Darnold was a better quarterback. He was a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. And if you just look at yeah, at the game this past weekend, the first half, Sam Darnold was great. He wasn't phenomenal. He was great. The second, he was, ah, he was blah. He was mediocre. He was what, you know, other people were. No, no touchdowns, one pick, 100 and some odd yards throwing. People try to blame Adam Gaze and, and you know, his, his conservativeness. But conservative doesn't have you throwing picks. So, you know, Darnold has to eat that. Meanwhile, Dak Prescott, without his two starting tackles and his number one wide receiver, put up very similar numbers to Sam Darnold. But he didn't turn the ball over. Um, he didn't have any touchdown throws, but he had a touchdown run. And that's a touchdown. It's a touchdown in my world. So I don't really care how you get it as long as you get it. Um, but he's still doing his thing. I mean, he is, you know, he is the man. Um, Kyler Murray announced that he is going to be a good quarterback. I don't know if great is in his, you know, you know, in his DNA, but he's going to be a good quarterback. I mean, he, what he did to Atlanta, and granted, everybody's been doing it to Atlanta, but he still had to do it, and he did it. He went out there and carved them up and escaped the pocket and ran around and made plays. And when he was in the pocket, he found angles to throw the ball at. It, it was great to watch. And he, he had a virtuoso performance. Um, have to give him credit for that. Jameis Winston. I, I really, I mean, people can feel how they want to feel about Jameis Winston. And I admit that I am a Jameis Winston apologist in a way for lack of a better um, term when it comes to the way in which he plays because I believe that people focus on the negative um, with him so much that they just keep overlooking this tremendous positives. Um, yesterday he threw five picks. He had um, a fumble. So he turned the ball over six times. I looked at the game. I watched it in real time. I went back and watched it again. I mean, I only really saw two interceptions that I went, okay, James, you gotta, you gotta be better. The fumble, while unfortunate, I mean, that happens when people are trying to make plays. Should he take better, quote unquote, care of the ball? Yes, but this is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is always gonna be a guy who has games where he turns the ball over in bunches, but he's also gonna have games where he never turns the ball over. If you look at his statistics over his career, I want to say it's something around 23, 24% of his turnovers have come in only eight games. Eight games. A quarter of, your, of the turnovers in your career have come in a small amount of games. I, I, that says something to me. That says that it's a guy who can learn, who can get better, but it's also a guy who probably is going to turn the ball over in bunches um, in a game. He tries to do too much, tries to will his team back into the game. And, and in fairness to him, he had opportunities to get them back in the game. 
Um, now, obviously, in in certain respects, it was his fault. Um, like I used to say about Andrew Luck when he had all of those fourth quarter comebacks, I was like, but well, he was the reason they were down in the fourth quarter. And so Winston has to take responsibility for that. But even on top of that, men had 400 plus yards throwing the ball. And two crucial drops from who many believe is a top five wide receiver, Mike Evans, in this league. Two crucial drops, one for a guaranteed touchdown, another for a big, gigantic um, gain on a first and a first down. He also had two drops by OJ Howard on hot route, hot route reads where he threw it and Howard just couldn't squeeze those, which was a shame because I've been wanting him to target Howard more. Um, so even, you know, even Jameis is out there, is out there doing his thing. You know, he's making the best of it. Lamar Jackson is an alien. He's different. And for all of the people who keep trying to give these backhanded comments where they call him a running back or an athlete playing the quarterback position, just stop. Like, we see through. We know what you're trying to do. We know that you're trying to question his his validity as a quarterback, and we're just not going to stand for it. And by we, I mean anybody who's black and has a post should be standing up and saying, no, you're not going to do this to our guy. This dude is a quarterback who just happens to be a phenomenal athlete. And while all of you are waiting for him to get hurt, while you're all sitting around waiting for him to, you know, crumble underneath the pressure, oh, well, you know, you can't run that much because you're going to get hurt. Well, guess what? Most quarterbacks get hurt in the pocket. That's the first thing. Secondly, most quarterbacks get hurt because they're bracing for impact. They're not delivering impact. You never see Lamar Jackson fold up and wait for someone to hit him. Lamar Jackson's never going to get hurt that way. If you hurt Lamar Jackson, it's going to be because you came mano a mano with him and he decided, you know what? I don't respect that dude enough to think he's going to hurt me, so I'm going to take a chance. And you, and he's, you know what I'm saying? That's the only way he's going to get hurt if that's the way you get hurt. But if you think about the way in which we talk about runners, we always tell runners, hey, if you're aggressive, there's a bigger, there's a better chance you won't get hurt than you will than if you run passively. So he runs aggressively. When he runs, he doesn't run just to get a couple yards and get down. When he takes off, he's trying to gut you. He's trying to go for a touchdown. And once he sees there's no chance at a touchdown, guess what he does? He gets down, he gets out of bounds, or he takes a shot. Well, he doesn't take a shot, he delivers a shot. And that's something that you have to love about what Lamar Jackson does. I look at all of these things and I go, man, all of these quarterbacks that are doing great things right now in the league, um, these guys are, are special. And then I look, Tua's coming. Jordan Love's coming. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Jalen Hurts, he's coming. Jalen Hurts is going to be a ball player. Jalen Hurts, I said it earlier um, earlier in the week or over the weekend. I said, it's time that we stop thinking about Jalen Hurts as just an NFL prospect and start thinking about him in the conversation for QB1. What he's doing at Oklahoma with less talent, 
than Tua or Baker Mayfield had, at least less, less proven talent, with a less proven line than Tua or Baker Mayfield, I mean, not Tua, um, um, Allen, um, Kyler Murray, excuse me, Kyler Murray or, or Baker Mayfield had, is phenomenal. He's doing it with less talent. He's doing it with less proven talent. He's doing it with a brand new, off, almost the entire offensive line is brand new. And he's still carving teams up. He's putting up numbers, passing numbers, very similar to those two guys, except his running numbers are blowing theirs out of the water. So you're telling me he's doing the Lamar Jackson thing. He's putting himself in position to be one of the best passers in college and one of the best rushers in college. And you're telling me that guy can't be a first round pick? You shouldn't be thinking about adding that guy to your team? Come on, man. Who you trying to fool? We're better than this, ladies and gentlemen. These guys are coming. I didn't mention Teddy Bridgewater, who took over in, in, in God's country for, for Drew Brees and has led them to an undefeated mark since he's been the, the starting quarterback. I didn't say anything about Cam Newton, who if you think is done, you are, you have lost your mind. Cam Newton is just sitting back registering all the stuff that people are saying as an average, as an average Kyle Allen takes over for him. An average Kyle Allen goes out there. Now, to Kyle, Kyle Allen's respect, he has not turned the ball over. But Kyle Allen's not going out there throwing four touchdowns on the board. Kyle Allen is not going out there being the reason that they won. Kyle Allen is simply getting the ball to people. Now, whether you believe that he can get the ball to people better than other people can get the ball to people, uh, I mean, better than Cam can, uh, I don't know. Cam was hurt all last year. His numbers were some of the best numbers he's put up in his career. So, if a hurt, if a hurt Cam Newton can do that, what's a healthy Cam Newton going to be able to do? And for some of you who say, oh, well, you know, Kyle Allen's on a rookie contract. I don't care. I don't care about a rookie contract. And neither should, and neither should anyone else. And if for some reason Carolina decides they want to move on from Cam Newton, you don't think there's another team that's going to go, we'll take a Cam Newton? I can think of several teams right now that would be instantly better with the Cam Newton behind, behind center. Several. So you got Cam, you got Teddy, you got all these youngins. You've got, you've got these, these, these starting quarterbacks in the league. We're taking over. And yes, I say we. It's funny because I don't even say we when it comes to the Buccaneers, and I'm a Buccaneers fan. But I say we when it comes to black quarterbacks because I feel a tremendous amount of pride knowing that these minority quarterbacks have struggled through so much adversity. Every last one of them have had to deal with doubts about how they play the game. Oh, well, he's really a running back. Oh, well, he's too short. Oh, well, you know, he's kind of awkward. He throws a lot of picks. He does this, he does that. He's not smart enough, almost to a man. Almost to a man, everyone. Oh, you know, is he going to be able to read the defense? Oh, he can't stay in the pocket well enough. And now you look around the NFL and you see all of these, 
all of these quarterbacks that all mimic and try to do what many black quarterbacks just have inherently inside of them. Josh Allen is being forced to be a guy. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, if, if Josh Allen was Jacoby Allen, would he have been a first round pick? If Josh Allen at, 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 at Wyoming would have been Jacoby Allen, would he not have been asked to play tight end? Who knows? I, I mean, look, if Mitch Trubisky was Mikhail, if he was Mikhail Trubisky, if he was a black man, if he was Tremaine Williams, who had better numbers than Trubisky had in the same offense and had more success, more team success, didn't even get a sniff of the NFL, yet Mitchell Trubisky's out there looking as plain Jane, ordinary as possibly can be, and he's getting excuses made for him left and right. Baker Mayfield was supposed to be the everyman. Baker Mayfield was the person that's bringing hope to every average, ordinary looking dude out there that, hey, if you work hard enough, if you try hard enough, you can turn yourself into a football player um, as well. He doesn't have phenomenal arm strength. He doesn't have phenomenal athleticism. He's short, and yet he has turned himself into a number one overall pick and savior of a team, except not a savior. Look around, look around. It is getting to a point where if you don't have athleticism, they're not looking at you the same. Justin Abair, they're like, oh, well, you know, he's tall. He's got some athleticism. <laughs> right, okay. They're talking about Joe Burrow. Guess what? Joe Burrow has athleticism. Joe Burrow is ascending up that ladder the same way that Jalen Hurts is ascending up that draft ladder, except we can still see the ridiculousness. He's ascending faster than Hurts is. He's ascending faster than Hurts is. And I'm like, wait a minute. Jalen Hurts has done this before. This is, this is his fourth year. He's been successful every single year he's played college football. This isn't new for Jalen Hurts. This is just the first time Jalen Hurts has been unleashed. He's been unhinged. He's been allowed to flourish and be him. He's still learning how to do that. Joe Burrow is playing, in an, playing, in, playing at, a, at an amazing level. I don't think he's better than Jalen Hurts. I think if you switch those two, I don't think you find any fall off. In fact, I think the LSU with Jalen Hurts turns into a surefire, a surefire college football playoff contender, if not a national championship favorite. I can't say that same thing with Joe Burrow, even though I like, I mean, I, I love what he's doing down at LSU. It's great to see a Joe Burrow at LSU. It's great to see that we really can't say anything bad about, um, you know, about the way they pick them in Ohio State because they continue to get talent after talent after talent at the quarterback um, position. Urban Meyer is great at one thing, one thing for sure. 
he knows how to pick quarterback talent. He knows how to pick it. He doesn't always know when to play it, but he knows how to pick it. I mean, think about the quarterback talents that he had that he has picked in his time. You can't really give him credit for Tim Tebow because Tim Tebow was coming anyway. But you can give him credit for Cam Newton. He had Cam Newton. He knew it. Then he went to Ohio State. He had 12 gauge. He had Dwayne Haskins. He had this kid Burrow sitting on the bench. They wanted the young man that's there right now. Instead, he chose Georgia, and then Georgia was stupid enough to let him get out of town. Oh, he's coming too. There are so many great minorities that are being allowed to play the quarterback position, not only the way it should be played, but playing it the way that makes it the most effective for their game. And it's beautiful to see. I just hope that they continue to get the same amount of rope that other quarterbacks have been afforded. Now, outside of the Packers and Lions game from yesterday, um, and if you don't know that today, right now it's it's Tuesday, um, and so we're recording this podcast right now, Tuesday. Yesterday was Monday Night Football, Green Bay Packers and and and, and Detroit Lions, and oh my gosh, it was awful. Like some of the most awful refereeing I have ever seen and every week players have to defend themselves against plays that they made they have to be available to the media to talk about plays they didn't make about mistakes that they made about game plans and how they're going to get better at what they're doing and yet these referees are allowed to skate. They're allowed to not be held accountable for the countless amounts of pass interference penalties they're missing because they don't want to change. They don't want to change their decisions. Almost like they don't want to snitch on each other. It's almost like it's a no snitching culture in in um, in in that world where people don't want to say, "Oh, I was wrong." because they know, or oh, he was wrong, because they know that they're, they're kind of throwing their homeboy under the bus. I think it's really ridiculous. If you, if you have made a mistake, and my job is to correct that mistake, I don't care how you feel about it. You made a mistake. Let's not kill the integrity of the game by trying to protect your feelings or protect your pockets. How about if I call you out and switch that call, now you understand, man, I gotta be better because they're gonna put me on blast if I'm not. Instead, these guys are allowed to be insulated. They're not called to the mat. They don't have to answer to us media. They just get to go on about their business and collect their really sizable checks. They're being paid really, really well. So I'm like, man, you're going to be paid really well 
and you're gonna be terrible at your job, tell me where you're allowed to do that for long periods of time before they make changes. Because I wanna go get a job there. I'm a teacher and you know, the, the world is, is hurting for teachers. But if I continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again, you can guarantee at some point they're gonna get me about the paint. Why is that not the same for referees? Why, by the way, do we have these older referees running around like they could barely get up and down the field? Maybe half of the problem when they're missing these calls is that they just can't see them. It's, it's something that needs to be looked at because right now we're having people fined for hits that shouldn't be fined on. We're having people um, called for holding penalties that are ridiculous. We're not having holding penalties called. Everything is so inconsistent that it makes us sitting there looking at the television or looking at the game live go, oh my gosh, like I can see this. How can he not see this? It is messing with the integrity of the game. And anytime you mess with the integrity of the game, we need to worry. Because ultimately, when you start messing with the integrity of the game, that's when people start going to watch some, something else. There's already people out there that like the college game far more than they like the NFL game. Far more. And I mean, the college game has its issues, but there are people who like the college game a lot more than they like the pro game. And every, it's, it's almost every week, we give these people more and more reasons to tune out, when, especially when these referees don't know how to make the, the most basic of calls. Again, if I can see it sitting on a couch from home and your eyes are fixated on that one thing that I saw sitting on the couch from home, drinking a beer or eating popcorn or whatever it is I'm doing, how can you not see it when that is your entire job? And how does a person whose job is to be the oversight guy and make sure that if you didn't see it, they do with replay, how can they still not get it right? You have teams that are losing. There's only 16 games in a season. So every game that a team loses, that is one step closer to a coach getting fired. That is one step closer to a player being replaced. That is one step closer to a team not getting to the playoffs. And it's hard enough to make the playoffs as it is in some, in some divisions, in some divisions. It's hard enough. It gets even harder when you have to deal with the opponent on the other side and you have to deal with the referees. It's just too much. Our referees have to get it together. They have to be the best in the world because they claim to be the best in the world. If not, then what's the difference between you and a high school referee? What's the difference between you and a collegiate referee? Why are you being paid astronomical amounts of money if you cannot rise to the level that the money affords you? They gotta get it together because the game is suffering right now because of it.
I don't know what to do. I don't, I mean, I don't know the answer. I know that I will have an answer because I hate giving problems without solutions. I will have an answer, but right now, I just know it's got to get better. This is the Offensive Interference Podcast presented by Football Game Plan. Um, Gene Clements here. We're talking football, college, pro football. Um, I had an opportunity to go and see Kennesaw State play this weekend. Um, Kennesaw State was playing Charleston, um, Charleston Southern and um, got a chance to um, watch some prospects that I thought were really good. <laughs> One guy who I'm not sure if he's a I don't think he's an NFL prospect, but I don't know if he even really is trying to be an NFL prospect. Prospect, But it is this young man um, by the name of Bronson Recksteiner. He's a fullback for Kennesaw State. They run a, um, a spread option offense, and he is the fullback. Had a, you know, almost 150 yards, I believe, on less than 20 carries, a couple touchdowns. He was, he was phenomenal. He was a beast out there and, and really, you know, fueled that offense to a win um, over a Charleston Southern team who I believe at first they were just going to blow out. And that, that Charleston Southern team was game. And their their quarterback kept them in the game. And it was it was nice to see. Um, Rex Steiner is the son of wrestling legend, Rick Steiner and the moment I realized this by the way I was at the game when I realized it but the moment that I realized it I um I immediately I immediately said oh well that makes a lot of sense he had the same physique he had the same frame he had the same personality and a guy like that was just so you can see his charisma coming out even with the helmet and shoulder pads on. I say that to tell you that he is more than likely destined to be a WWE superstar. He is most likely going to end up following in his father and his uncle's um, footsteps. I actually called him Little Papa Punk when we were doing interviews after the game and he, he got a chuckle out of that. I think he realized what I was saying. But it was phenomenal to watch him play and to see what he can do as a fullback, especially understanding that his his future may not his future may not actually lie in playing football, but he plays it with so much passion, with so much aggressiveness. There could be a definite window into a Hall of Fame career for him doing something else. Um, very impressed by the young man. Very impressed by Kennesaw State um, as a whole. I thought they had some really great prospects there. Bryson Armstrong is a young man who's a junior, but has been on the radar ever since he was a freshman. He was a freshman All-American. Um, and, and last year, people thought he took a step back. But when you really think about it, he was just the focus of so many offensive schemes last year to try to keep him from dominating like he did as a freshman. Um, he also, you know, just had, he also had to learn. He had to learn more about what he was doing. Um, 
as a complete football player, not just rushing the passer or running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I think this year you see that he is um, much better in coverage than um, I ever thought he would be in it because if he wants to have any type of professional career um, at his size and his athleticism, he's most likely a weak side linebacker. Um, and those guys have to be able to cover. And, you know, in these, you know, in these schemes now where you're in nickel so much, he has to be able to play a box linebacker and be able to get out into coverage. And so I think those are things that he's definitely been working on. And you can see the results. He had um, 12 total tackles. And, and it really it was just funny, 12 total tackles. And I just looked up and I was like, oh, that dude had double-digit tackles again. Um, he's just so, it's just so unassuming. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's making splash plays, but then when you go back and look at the film, you can see he's around so much that it's making other people pop and other people are making plays because he's making plays. Another young man I was impressed with on their defense um, was their senior Desmond Johnson. Um, he wears number 59. And um, he had a sack, he had a sack and a couple tackles, but he was a disruptor all day. He was the reason why the offense for Charleston Southern wasn't having a lot of success in the first half because he just kept disrupting things in the backfield. Um, he, I think he, he transitions to an, a, a, an outside linebacker as a, as a pro. Um, they're, they're playing him essentially like that now. He's the stand-up defensive end now on the team, and I think that as he continues to um, go through the season, he's going to get more and more looks at someone who could definitely be a 34 outside rush in um, in that type of scheme. I think his body type, he's probably about 6'2", um, 260 pounds. Um, body type perfect for that, that job. He's got good bend. He's got good hustle to the ball. Um, in pursuit, I think he's a guy who could be a great special teamer as well. Um, and and, and the, the, you know the the sky's the limit for him if he gets the opportunity. Um, the third prospect I, I was impressed with was actually I believe he's a transfer from Georgia Tech, Dorian Walker, um, who plays cornerback for them. He's a a long cornerback with some really good speed. Um, it's about six feet, or or a legit six feet, um, five eleven and some change. Um, maybe even a little bit over six feet, long arms, um, really, really um, athletic guy, um, guy who didn't get a lot of targets. I think people were staying away from him, and, and rightfully so. He was also a guy who I was really impressed with in special teams. Um, he went out there and made a lot of plays on the special teams that I thought was, was, was something that you want in a guy who is probably going to be under the radar um, coming into into prospect camps, or even if he gets an opportunity, you know, as a as an undrafted free agent with the team, he's going to have to make his bones on special teams, and I definitely think that's something he was able to do. I remember on a punt, there was a punt return um, where the Charleston Southern kid broke, and he on a flat line ran the kid down, made him have to um, pull up and adjust, that allowed other people to catch up with him and make the tackle. It was very impressive to watch. And so, you know, just some of the, the prospects I checked out from Kennesaw State, and, and I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on them for the rest of, these, rest of the year and see how they progress because this is a team 
that has an opportunity to be um, a, a national championship caliber team if everything continues to progress the way that they want it to progress. Um, but that's my time today for the Offensive Interference Podcast. We appreciate you joining us whenever we get an opportunity to do it. Um, as always, we are presented by footballgameplan.com. Follow us on our SoundCloud channel. Follow us on the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube. Make sure that you follow me on Twitter at Gene Clemens, Instagram at Gene Clemens, and my own YouTube channel, um, Gene Clemens, where you'll see um, a, you know, some breakdowns and videos that I have going on dealing with football. And you're gonna be wanting to tune in because I've got a new show coming that's gonna be exclusively on my channel at Gene Clemens, and I want y'all to be able to check it out. Um, Stay tuned for that. As always, we appreciate you, and we look forward to the next time we get a chance to talk. Peace.